Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. are your hosts i should say of course he's uncensored mind aj orsini once again joined by deceived dave dave do i sound out of it yes terribly okay. <laughs> you have no energy in your voice dude i have no energy you, in i thought body. i sounded bad i have no the energy did in you my do? body oh uh, long night long night long week i should say uh here at the Ooh. house of O. Uh, as everyone probably knows by now, my wife is a is a teacher, is an educator of those of the future, and mm-hmm. uh, this week was this week was uh, spring break. So you would think, oh man, you guys have been the toast of the town. You guys have been making your your rounds, getting to all these different places. No, we spent the first half not doing shit because we were tired all the fucking time. And the second half is one of those things, you know, when you go on vacation and you go, man, I'm so tired. I can't wait for vacation. But then you do a bunch of shit during your vacation and it's over and you go, man, I wish I had a vacation from my vacation. That's what the second, that's what the second half of this shit became uh, because we had a lot of activities with the boy. Alex uh, had an MVP, no exaggeration week. We'll get into that in a second. And then, of course, uh, the wife and I had a date night last night where I was at the Madison Square Garden Theater as Ooh. we watched one of my favorite television shows have a live performance. Letterkenny was in the house last night. So we oh had we had we had to go we had to go on that. My wife a lot of dry humor. What's that? A lot of dry humor from Madison of, Square Garden. A lot of rapid fire. Fuck it. Listen, the fucking garden last night. We gonna. I'm gonna. I'll go. Go ahead and start with this. The garden last night. I. I hope the fire department was nearby and on call, because that building was on fire last night. People they were loving I, them some letter. Listen, cannon. listen. Roar, roar of laughter. Too much laughter. There were people coughing and shit. It's uh, it's my, it's it was me and my wife's first event here in New York where the mask was suggested. So that's starting to soften, 
because it's been required so for what forever. Kind of, so they're they're very office like comedy. It's very dry. It's very like you're not prompted to laugh in the show. No. You're just it it happens and you experience it. Yeah. What was that like live? Is that like did, did they have like a was it like a play? Or did they just go up there and just shoot the shit? So I, I was also curious on the format because I was like, you can't do that show for 90 minutes. So I was like, what the fuck is going to happen? So here's here's a major concern that I had, and I told my wife about this beforehand. The speed. All right? So this is a very rapid-fire joke style, right? They just, Especially when they're ragging on someone. It's like all four of them are taking shots at one individual, and they're making all these different jokes, and it's just rapid-fire. But that's uh, I was concerned because I was like I hope my wife you know doesn't get lost in the sauce here because it's a really she's not she's not stupid but she's new to this she's only seen a few episodes so I was like that was my concern but then I realized as the show continued on and my wife picked up on it the speed softened on the live show for two reasons I guess so that they don't lock up and fuck up on purpose you got to slow it down right and then the second is because. On the show, when someone cracks or someone breaks on a joke, you just edit that out, do the scene over. You're live here. So everyone broke all the fucking time. And that shit made it even funnier. Because you know it's funny. They know it's funny. You can see them with their mouth closed vibrating. Like, like it made it part of the joke where they were trying so hard not to laugh at the other person's jokes. And it just made us laugh even more. And they were professional as fuck. Whenever... Like you said, they're not prompting you to laugh. They're saying stuff, and if you happen to laugh, you laugh. But the beautiful part about the live show was that when you did laugh, they gave you a moment to laugh. They would stop, or they would slow down on something, and then so they, they would know get how back to into it. They were per- it was perfect. It was perfect. The television show is not like that. It's just rapid. It just goes. And you sometimes I, I'm laughing for so long i got to pause things and go back because it doesn't give you time to register and doesn't give you time to laugh. This they did. So that was good. It was perfect. Perfect speed. It was great. The stage was set up like the with the lawn chairs. And they had a few people from the show come on besides the main four. And they did little skits here and there. Then they showed some packages on the screen of some things that they've done. And then some new stuff that hasn't come out yet. There's a new season dropping soon. And they gave us some sneak previews to that. They gave us the trailer to... The spinoff show, which would be for Shorzy. So if you're not familiar with the show, it's it's a Canadian comedy show. It's based off of these four characters. The one main guy, his sister, and his two best friends. And they just sit around shooting the shit and living life and doing whatever. Daily, everyday activity. And you meet these colorful characters along the way. Well, on the live show, you didn't have a lot of colorful characters. Although they did talk about them. They had them on the screen and... They're like, hey, what's going on back at back home at Letterkenny while we're here in New York City? And they're like talking about the characters and stuff. And there's these two hockey guys, super Canadian, right? I mean, with down to the verbiage, the bio language, everything. And the two hockey guys are teammates to their mortal enemy, a gentleman by the name of Shorzy, who every chance he gets insults the two hockey guys and their mother. Every fucking chance he gets he's quite possibly one of the most popular character side characters on the show and in the show you never see his face they're always very clever because it's the main guy the guy who plays wayne who's like the star of the show he voices the character of shorzy so they don't want to show his face and conflict characters so it's just his voice 
So it's yeah. fucking, it's, yo, I mean, I almost had to pee twice on the third one. Ooh. I was about to give up. I was like, I'm just going to wet myself because this shit is hilarious. And Steph was laughing, which is I know it was I knew this show was cooking when Steph was laughing, cause she don't laugh at shit. Go. So I was like, yeah, she's hard to make laugh. So I was like, oh, I know this, I know this show is cooking now. Yeah, I was confused. when you said you were gonna go see them live. I'm like, oh, that's that's gonna be interesting how they pull that together. Yeah, no, it was sounds great. cool. Great, great concept. How they did everything and put everything together. It was what what a night. It was great. And the funny thing is, is I told my wife beforehand, I like performances like this more than more mainstream stuff. Like even WWE events to a degree. Because when you go see a Letterkenny show, you know that this is a niche product. The people who are going to see Letterkenny are people who fucking know and love Letterkenny. There's no right. fucking randoms off the street going, you know what? I don't know what else to do with my night. Let's it's go got, check it's out gotta have the. It's got to have the same vibe as going to oh, see like the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie. Yes, exactly. It's Perfect like, example. It, yes. It's the stupidest shit on the screen, but everyone's dying because they're huge fans and yeah. there's no in between. My wife was stunned because she felt like she was walking to a... When we were, the show was at Madison Square Garden Theater, so it's right underneath the actual Madison Square Garden facility. <clears throat> which is on you know right next to Penn Station. This is one of the busiest streets, not only in New York City but on planet Earth. Okay, and she was stunned because we we're walking to the building and there's cosplay. There's people dressing up like the characters from Letterkenny, and mm-hmm. there's a group of guy a group of guys called the Skids where they they you remember Jay and Silent Bob how they would stand in front of that convenience store the whole time. So mm-hmm. these these guys they stand in front of a convenience store all day, and but sometimes they're actually raving or dancing. So there was one guy who came to the show dressed as one skid, and there was another guy completely unrelated to that group, dressed as the other skid. And when we were walking through for like snacks and stuff or whatever, they happened to pass each other in the hallway, and they just started dancing with each other, like from <laughs> the, like from the show. Like that's the kind of fandom we're talking about. So I was like, I love these shows more than I... I experienced the same thing when I went to go see Ruby in the movie theater. It was like, you know whoever is going to see this is specifically a Ruby fan. No one bought a ticket to this shit on the off chance. Well, let me see what it's like. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you, know, yeah, you don't get those randoms off the street who don't know what the fuck is going on. And they just... Yeah, those are the best events. Yeah. The non-mainstream great. events are the best events. <laughs> Absolutely, and it was a fucking ton of fucking fun. There's just one guy, I have to tell this joke because it's fucking, it's, it fucked everybody's heads up. So there's this one guy, his name on the show is Coach. He's the coach of the hockey team with the hockey guys. And he has the same character. In the beginning, for the first few seasons, it was the same guy. They've they've developed him over time, but he was just an angry, drunk coach for like mad years. And he, no matter if they won or if they lose, he'd scream at them and he'd do the same fucking the catchphrase. You know, it's fucking embarrassing. And he'd walk off. And after just fucking tirading, he's hilarious. But I didn't know he did stand up. I just thought he was some friend of the dudes and happened to be funny as fuck. But he's actually a stand up comedian. And they did that. They have a few stand up comedians on the cast. And in between sets, they would have the comedian do out and do a set of comedy. And that was even more fun because I got to see these people. I never got to see, like, for instance, K. Trevor. Uh, why am I skipping on his last name? K. Trevor Wilson. There it is. 
He's a stand-up comedian. He's toured like everywhere, and he happens to be on this show. And they let him do a set when he did his. When they said he was going to do a set next, I fucking I almost came out of my chair. I was like, Steph, this is. I don't want to put too. I don't want to put too much pressure on myself, but this is going to be <laughs> the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Here it comes, and he was hilarious. But coach, coach stole the show for us because I didn't know he was a stand-up comedian, and he had he did a set, and I was like, now I know why I didn't know he was a stand-up comedian because. His humor is dark. And the more he kept talking, the more he kept looking around, and he was just like, uh-oh. <laughs> he said it on stage. He was like, you know, uh, I think he made some sort of religion joke or something where it was just like, yeah, you, I forgot you guys down here are still running with that silly story. And they got, like, real quiet. He looked around and he goes, because I'm from Canada, so you're like, you're down there, right? You guys get that, right? <laughs> he like he and they had to like catch themselves. He was like, "Yeah, the whole God and religion thing. You you guys still do that here, right?" And everybody was like laughing. He was like, "Yeah." He started strum. He had a guitar. He started strumming his guitar. He's like, "What a silly story!" And he just started strumming his guitar. And he doesn't do transitional bits. It's a lot like Carlin when he used to just make a joke, do a whole thing, and then just move on to the next that doesn't connect. And one of the things that he did. He just out of nowhere, out of the blue, like people are laughing about something. He goes, yep. So, by the way, can't stand that Frosty the Snowman fuck. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, Frosty the Snowman, what a condescending prick. No, I can't stand that fucking guy. Besides, yeah. the kid is the one that gave him the hat, right? He goes, as soon as that fucking snowman would have came alive, I'd have snatched that hat right back. What the fuck is wrong with you? He goes, this is a money-making proposition. You know what I could do with this hat? And he goes, you know, I know specifically a kid who used to live down the street from me who would have loved five more minutes with his grandma. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God. And he let it sit for a second. He goes, oh, yeah, you're not picturing it. Here, let me help you. What he would have to do, obviously, is bring his dead grandma to my garage, right? And I, <laughs> and I put the hat on grandma, and I tell him, I said, listen, you got five minutes. That's all you get is five minutes. He said, you got to cap it somewhere. Five is a good number because you know the first three minutes is going to be her on the table. Oh, uh, what is what is happening? What's with this hat? Where's my skin? And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? He goes, and then it was like, laugh, but then confusion. They were like, because she's dead, you idiots. You know, like, because she's got no, she's just a fucking skeleton. You know, skeletons love to dance and shit. So he's like, do the thing with the arm. He goes, and I could just see that the other, the last two minutes would be the kid going, Grandma, Grandma, calm down. I don't have much time. Please tell me, where's the other half of the amulet? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, it's so fucking random. And fucking, he was dark. He was just like, oh, my God. Because we had, what was it, just Easter just passed? Mm -hmm. And he was just like, you just got to know that, you know, that, that, that Jesus just, I, that's where the religious thing started, right? Where he was just like, Jesus just looks down on people that live here and just go, what the fuck? There's just so much fucking confusion. He goes, I, I, I have an idea. He goes, I'm going to make a pitch. Again, completely unrelated to Jesus. And he goes, I have to, I'm going to make a pitch when I go back to the Hulu offices. He goes, I'm going to make a pitch. He goes, I've been working on this story. It's a great fucking story. He goes, how about we have a story on television? It'd be a television show with episodes about... Baby Adolf Hitler, right? You can say baby. This is Adolf Hitler as a baby. And the premise of the story is not really about Hitler. Hitler's the baby in the show. It's about Hitler's mom. Hitler's mom gives birth to baby Hitler. And the whole show is based on the premise that people from the past 
are traveling to the future to kill her baby. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? Like, think about it. It's people from the past, time traveling to the future. To, I mean, excuse me, the other way. It's, imagine people from the future going to the past to try to kill baby Hitler. And the mother doesn't have a clue why all these people are trying to kill her baby. They just know that every time she turns around, there's another person from the future trying to kill her child. And she saves him every single time. Like, that's the episode, right? Like, MacGyver shit. She saves him every single fucking time. And as the season would progress, she'd learn more and more about what it is about her kid that she, that people keep trying to kill him. He goes, and I got the perfect catchphrase for her. Every time somebody arrives in the future and they come into her house, she looks him dead in the face and she goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a good show. I'm, this is going down the right path for me. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So, Letter Kenny was a a fun time. We'll put it at that. That was a fun fun deal that we did there. I'm but, glad it worked out because I, I would have been, been worried about how that would have worked. <laughs> now, I have faith in them. They do good jobs. They do good works, as, they, as I heard once on the Firefly film. But here's a moment that I may only get to share once on this show. Let me double check behind me, make sure my door is closed. I don't want this fucking guy to hear it. Okay. Yeah, we should be clear. Let me pull the mic in close so I don't have to yell. Okay, so I'm actually proud of my son. Let me look Why back. would you not want him to No, you that? can't let kids hear that shit. Because their brains are <laughs> hardwired. As soon as they get a fucking compliment, they go the other way. It happens almost instantaneously. You don't say shit to your kid for six months. They do all the right things. As soon as you go, you know what? You're a good kid. You make all the right decisions. That's it. He puts a fork in the fucking goddamn electrical socket the next fucking day. These Their fucking brains are hardwired to do stupid shit once they feel comfortable. So I can't let this motherfucker feel comfortable. Let me see. Fair enough. Yeah. I showed pride not, when it uh, happened. When I'm about to tell you. When it happened, I showed pride. But uh, I've eased off since. I can't let this motherfucker get comfortable, you know. You give him a treat for doing something good, and then you st- sting him with a stun gun right after, just to keep him on their fucking toes. Anyway, mm-hmm. <clears throat> my son, officially, I would like to make this official announcement, apparently is officially an athlete. I didn't realize okay. this. I didn't anticipate this. He's been a computer nerd his entire fucking life. I had no high hopes that he would eventually steer towards sports in any way. But I'll give you this I'll give you this scenario. So my son has one, two, uh, two and a half, because we haven't figured out this tennis business yet, but he does gymnastics on Sundays. Not today, because it's spring break, but Sundays. And he does now he used to do soccer on Mondays. Now he does soccer on Saturday mornings. We've we've changed leagues. So he can play with his friend. And, of course, we signed him up for this league so he could play with his friend. And, of course, it's week one. It's day one. And the friend doesn't fucking show up. That's a that's another example of not relying on fucking people to do, to do shit with you. But I digress. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so he came to this field all by himself or whatever the case may be. So... First, the last few weeks, I've mentioned that he's had soccer. It was the first time he's really been exposed to it. And he didn't really take to it in the beginning so well. 
But the more we took him, the better we got. He's very natural at it. He's His biggest skill set is he is just absolutely fucking faster than fucking everybody else. And I'm not saying that because I'm his dad. I'm saying that because he's literally faster than every fucking body else. Uh, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. So this on the last day of the Monday class, he they did this game. It's called Fishy Fishy. I've done this game at my job. And it was cool to see this coach <clears throat> give it a try. And what you do is you take one person, you put a midfield. This is an indoor soccer place. The field's not really that large. Don't think of it as like a real full regulation soccer field. It's a nice, cute little space, right? So it's one person in the middle of the field, and the rest of the people, all of them, I think in this particular case it was about nine kids, uh, on one, on where the goal is on one side of the field. And the goal is to try to get from one side of the field to the other without being tagged by the person in the middle. If you are tagged, you have to then join the person in the middle. So that group, that tag, starts to grow over time. Eventually, the goal is to get down to the one kid who hasn't been tagged yet, and then everyone goes after the one kid. Well, as it would happen, Alex (laughs) was uh, one of the runners. And every time the group went to the other side of the field, he was comfortably getting there. Not even full speed, right? He just, they wouldn't be chasing him as much. But then the group started getting smaller and smaller. Then there were five left, four left, three left. And around that time period, the kids started going after Alex, and they could not catch him. And I don't mean like he just burned. I mean he was going left, right, and then as soon as an opening, he'd hit the hole, and he was out, right? And four people left, three people left. Now, granted, there was one other kid that was also fast. I don't think he was faster than Alex, but he's right up there. So there's two kids left. It's Alex and this other kid. And the other kids who are chasing are now beginning to literally cry because they're frustrated because they can't catch either one of these kids. So Alex decides to tell the kid, you go that way. I'll go this way. Basically just spreading all the way out to the edges to make the group decide who to chase. He goes, so let's go to the edges and let's, you know, whoever the fastest guy is the fastest guy, whatever. So they blow the whistle, they hit the edges, they go after Alex first. Can't catch him. So they decide to audible and go after the other kid, and they caught him. So now there's literally nine kids in the middle of the field, and then just Alex. And they got to the point where the adults, the coaches, were like, all right, we have to figure something out. So they went to the kids, and the adults had to come up with a strategy to give the kids to catch my son. So we're clear, it didn't work. Because <laughs> my son is a fucking freak. And he I don't just think f- I'm not that impressed with his speed. I'm impressed with his stamina. Yeah. Man. How long is that? That must have been, been like going? the eighth round or something. And he was still he was he hadn't dropped one mile per hour. It was it was consistent. He was just out. And so they all had this strategy or whatever, and if it wasn't for the fact that he lost track of where that wall was, <laughs> he hit his shoulder a little bit, and that kind of slowed because he had legitimately hurt it. So he had to, we had to wait a few minutes, rub it down or whatever, but he did get tagged. 
So the game was over. They basically declared him the winner because he was the last one standing. So then they wanted to start a new game. This time, they put Alex to start in the middle to catch kids. And like I said, there must have been seven, eight rounds, whatever the case may be. This game ended in three rounds because Alex caught multiple people per round. It wasn't fair. Yeah. So the coach was like, all right. He just looked at us and he's like, all right, we, we get it. All right, let's 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 go back to playing soccer now because these kids are going to start crying soon. So he's like, yeah, you better go ahead and do that because my son's about to fucking embarrass him. You better put some, we better put some soccer on here. <laughs> so they played. So that was the first time I was impressed with my son's speed. I had never really seen him. I knew he was quick because he's a pain in the ass for me to catch. Nah, fuck that. But, I knew that shit. From the one day that I took him to that ball place, oh. and this dude did some Ninja Warrior shit that blew my mind. It was one of the moments where you see something in a room full of people, and you're the only one that saw it. Yeah, that was me. I was standing there, and he just <laughs> took four leaps. It was I don't I don't remember what it was, but it was like these little stands that you can walk across, and there's balls around them, and then there's a little ramp that leads into like this little section that you kids will just. You know, they were walking through the balls and climbing up. This kid went from the outside and took one leap on each one, went pop, 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 and then hit the little ramp thing, hit, stepped on the bottom, and jumped straight to the top, and then just stood there like he did none of that. So I was <laughs> like, all right, well, this kid's different. Yeah, I don't know. Built He's different. different. I'm looking around. I'm literally, I literally looked around and was just like, did nobody else <laughs> just see this two year old kid just. Ninja warrior his way up to that yeah. little fucking section and not in like four steps. Yeah, he's... I couldn't do that right now on that very <laughs> same situation. This dude is insane. I knew that. I knew that it was to me. It was a matter of getting his interest in it. Yeah, which... but as far as him doing it, oh, that dude, he's a freak of nature. Yeah. Man. So as far as his interest goes, a lot of the reason I feel now. That he wasn't interested in sports is because he couldn't. He didn't feel like he could do them. So, like I just told the story now about the running. I have always told him. I said, "You're fast, but you know, one day you're gonna meet someone who's faster than you. So you gotta be ready for that." You know, and he understands that. So when we played the soccer roof game, there wasn't really anybody that could touch him. And that was, I think, the first time in his life where he walked away from it and went. Oh, yeah, no, I could beat all these fucking kids. I said, you damn right. <laughs> oh, he's starting to get a little cocky so, now. Uh, not yet. Not yet. I'll give him that. It, he was still humble about it, but it was the, it was like a realization. He was just like, wow, I, I guess I am pretty fast. He's like, yeah, I told you. So that was the last week of the indoor. This Saturday, uh, yes, yesterday, was uh, the first time he played outdoor in cleats. He's got cleats, right? Oh, so What makes him even faster? So, uh-huh. So... Uh, we took them to this new league, and what they do is they do four stations of drills, different types of drills, and then they play a game. They select teams and blah, blah, blah. So he's going through the drills. He's not doing awfully terrible, but they weren't doing a good job of explaining what the drills were. And I'm not speaking on behalf of a child that got lost. There were several children that were lost. They didn't know what the fuck they were supposed to do. And then the trainers are like, Hey, get back, get back, get back. Or this, this, this. I said, the reason why you're yelling so much is because you, they're not clear in what you want them to do. As educators, my wife and myself, when we see other people not be able to teach, it's very frustrating. Because this is a very easy mm. thing to fucking teach. 
It's just placement. I'm not an educator, do. and I feel the same way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it takes an educator to see it. I'm saying as one who's been trained to teach this, and I see you not doing it that way, it's very frustrating. So I'm letting it go because I know that whatever it is he's saying doesn't matter because I could just delete and overwrite and show him the right way later. But he's going through the drills that enough that they get to the game. And I'm noticing as they're picking teams for the game, I said, this is not, again, I'm having a problem because it's not differentiated. They're they're not going by skill set. They're not going by level of experience. They're just picking at fucking random. So I'm looking at my son's team, and it's predominantly kids. And I could tell just by the body language, predominantly kids who've never fucking played this game. And then the other squad, you could tell they put like some friends together, and they've played. You, just by the way that they're playing around with the soccer ball, you can tell they've played before. And I'm like, this isn't a fair team. And I was looking at Steph, I was like, should I say something? Because this is ridiculous. Because this is how kids get discouraged. Mm-hmm. You get one team that completely dominates, and then the other team just don't, doesn't want to fucking do it anymore. They're kids. They're like six, seven years fucking old. As soon as they get smacked, once the score hits 5-0, they're not going to want to fucking do this shit anymore. This is bullshit. I lost. I'm going to go play Xbox now. So I'm like, no, I don't want him to be discouraged. It's day one. So she was like, ah, just let it play out. We don't even know if these kids have played or not. And, of course, throughout the course of the game, I think it was they put 20 kids on the field, no subs, bro, 10 on 10. It's just a, a fucking bumblefuck. It's like it's like kittens after going after a ball of yarn. But there was one kid on Alex's team, this little girl, who never moved up the field. She just stayed by the goal. And I was like, is she? Because they didn't really assign goalies, but she just made herself a fucking. She just stood there. So I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, I wonder if she has been practicing as a goalie. It turns out, as we as mom. Her mom was sitting next to Steph, and they started talking. It turns out, yes, she, she's she been training or practicing with her father to be a goalie. Her father mm-hmm. was a goalie, so she wants to be a goalie. So she didn't want to step up and shoot goals. She wanted to sit back and so – On the block, she want to play yeah, defense, she baby. To play defense. So defense they kept, championships. They, called, they told her before the game, listen, you can play goalie, but you're not actually a goalie based on their rules. So do yourself a favor, don't use your hands like a goalie would because they've been training her to be a goalie. Right. So in this game, you can't use your hands. Just block with your body or your head or your feet. And she mm-hmm. did that. She was great. We were making jokes. She was like hockey references. She's standing on her head. She's a brick wall. She was doing all kinds of shit. She was great. That was all apparently Alex needed was at least that one person by a goal to do, to do something. <laughs> Yo, just make sure they don't just, score. Just make sure I'll take care of the rest. They don't score. I will do the rest. And that was I'll exactly take care of the rest. that was exactly what happened. My son played out of his fucking mind. I don't know what it was. He went from being scared to even be around the ball when we started the indoor thing, and now we're outside, and he is fucking huffing it. He, at one point, I think he was, like, in the scrum. It was, like, a bunch of kids trying to fight over that one ball. And the ball popped out. And him, and I told him before, it is gonna, you're going to meet one person who's faster than you. One kid, it was a young girl on the opposite side. It was a girl, but her name was Joey. And when she turned on the turbo boost, she was out. Uh, you could see it. She's an athlete, that's too. That's not bad for a girl. That's, that's not a bad she for a girl. She smoked. She was a smoke show. She was quick. Not just fast down few, but left, right. Her feet work. Her footwork was. Pr- pr- she looked like she could play U.S. women's soccer right now. 
I was like, and she's Damn. like, she's like six or seven years old. I said, I leaned over, I saw her dad. I was like, she's gonna be a fucking monster in like ten years. And he's like, yeah, bro, she's been playing since the crib, man. She she knows all about this shit. I said, well, my son has also been playing since like four weeks ago, so you know, there's that. And <laughs> as we're talking about our kids, here comes the two of them down the side. Joey goes for the ball, and I think she got clipped or whatever, but like accidentally by her own teammate or whatever. Alex comes around the corner. He takes the ball, and I'm not even exaggerating, the full length of the fucking field. He dribbles the ball all the way So he's learning how to dribble? Yes. He took the ball down the fucking field all the fucking way. And I'm not even sitting here saying that he weaved through traffic. He was on the edge already by the sideline. That's where the ball had popped out. And and there was no one by the sideline. Everyone was like toward, I want to say, midfield. And again, because of his speed, he took the ball the full length of the field. No one was even fucking close. He went down the field, kicked the ball, wasn't even fucking contested, scores the first goal. Now, the other team got their shit together and opened it up, right? Here's the goal, then there's the second goal, and I'm thinking, oh, here comes Alex is going to start getting pissy. He's going to start crying about shit. He didn't. He was talking to the goalie. Hey, we're going to do this. And he was talking to the other kids. They were all talking to each other. The next thing I so know. He start, he's starting to strategize. Not just strategize, bro. He was stra- He was getting the team. I, my wife made the joke. He's turn- Is he trying to be a captain? Because he's, <laughs> he's talking to the whole squad. And I'm like, what the fuck is he even talking about? He just started playing his game like four weeks ago. And then, uh, yeah, but he's the type of kid that once he starts to understand, you can't match his level of understanding. And he doesn't become like, I don't know, from he's not a guy that just stands there and keeps that knowledge. He wants everyone like he'll talk to everybody. I don't know. That doesn't I'm not I'm like hyped to hear it, but it doesn't like I'm not shocked. Like that's kind of his personality. The ball, cool. the ball, he did, like, the most sports thing ever when uh, the ball eventually goes to the other side of the field, very close to his goal, but it's a scrum. There's a whole bunch of people fighting over it, fighting over it. All of a sudden, I can't tell what's happening because it's of the scrum. And all of a sudden, the ball goes through the net. It's a goal. And, you know, our side got all excited. Yeah, cool. But I don't know who scored it. So... When they come back down the field, there's a penalty or whatever, so the kids get a chance to drink some water or whatever. And Alex comes over, and I give him his Gatorade or whatever. He's drinking, and I said, Alex, who scored that last goal? I couldn't tell because it was a pile. And he made that stupid face he always makes when he's got a sarcastic (laughs) line coming at me. And he makes that stupid face. He takes a step back and goes, me. (laughs) Like I disrespected him. I love it. Like I like I disrespected I like him energy. by even asking, like, who the fuck else, Dad, is gonna shoot the it's fucking like, ball? He's like, I, if I was him, I'd be like, I'm like, look, I tell you what, let's 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 do process of elimination. Who else out here right now is making goals? of all these I'll scrubs? Wait. Who the fuck you think is out here shooting the shot? Like, listen, listen, big guy, do me a favor, <laughs> hold this Gatorade, <laughs> keep the cap loose because yeah. I don't have much time. And when I get back. Just hand me that Gatorade <laughs> and then take it back when I give it. I gotta That's do all I need you yeah. to do for the next 15 minutes. I've never apparently said anything thanks, so disrespectful bud. to him <laughs> in his life. Thanks, bud. He took an actual step back with that face. He went, me? I scored that. I was like, my bad? Fuck. 
Here, drink this shit and get the fuck away from me. I don't even care anymore. Back up. Go over there. <laughs> so he tied the game up at two. So, so far, it's 2-2. Two, two. His, his team has scored two goals all from him. And then uh, the other team comes down at one point, scores a third, uh, and then the goalie got hurt. There was something. I guess she, like, tripped up or something. Her ankle had rolled or something like that. She was in a little bit of pain, so they took her to the side or whatever. That left the net wide open. Here comes the fourth goal. And that goal, if anybody would have been standing there, would have been stopped. Because it's one of those things where they were in a scrum. It was in a mix. Somebody kicked it just enough to where it got past the group. It just rolled into the fucking goal. And I was mad. I was like, ah, that's that cheap bullshit. And I was like, so Alex looked at the goal. He got pissed off. I said, well, <laughs> I feel bad saying this shit out loud. But I said this. I said, well, Alex, you're going to have to do it yourself, bro. Go ahead. To keep keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can't tell my son to do anything more than he's already done. My, I'm looking at the rest of the parents. My son is scoring goals. I don't know what the fuck y'all retarded ass kids is doing. I know. You know, get them involved. You know, show them a YouTube tutorial or something because my son needs help. This bullshit. It's not fair. I'm, I'm, that my I'm, son has to carry the I'm franchise. Collecting, I'm collecting donations for yeah. all this back surgery my son's going to yeah. have to go through for care. Now I know how LeBron's parents team. feel. I'm like, God <laughs> damn, I can't keep doing I can't have my son carry the whole franchise. What is this? That's funny. So I told Alex, I said, you're going to have to do it again. And he goes, I don't know how to do that again because it's always the right spot, right? So I said, okay, here's an idea. Tell your teammates that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, as soon as they get near the ball, just kick it as hard as they can to the other side. That way, if it's just on the other side, you have a chance to maneuver and whatever, whatever. So he was like, okay. So that's what he told them, and that's what they did. They just kept murdering that ball. It's like when you clear the puck in hockey. Just get mm-hmm. it to the other side. Just, that's what I told him. Just get it to the other side. My son will take it from there. And he got very close uh, multiple times on scoring a goal. Uh, and then the other team almost scored a fifth goal. But here comes my son again. So now the ball's coming down. Joey's coming down. Murdering, screaming down the side. G's coming down the side. And Alex is at her hip. He's trying so hard to, like, cut that ball away from her. And they're just joining at the hip, going down, going down, going down, going down. And she finally goes to go for the kick to put it in the goal. And right when she's about to wind up, this dude literally just dove head first at the, <laughs> at the ball. And grabbed the ball. You know how, like, you go into a fetal, fetal position? Mm-hmm. He hugged, he snugged the ball into his body so that when she hit it, it didn't go anywhere. And she tripped forward because of the, you know, when you kick something and it doesn't go nowhere and you fall forward. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And he fucking, like, hugged it. And, boy, let me tell you, as a sports guy myself, when you see your son put in that kind of effort, forward <laughs> dive into a hug, this bitch is not Just, scoring today. <clears throat> Just the total disregard of your body, yeah. dude. She it's also, about what you got to do. She also scored two goals on the day. Her other teammates helped her with the other two. But it was it was her. It was, it was 20 kids on that field. But yesterday morning, it was a battle between Alex and Joey. <laughs> and uh, Joey won on the day overall. You know, at the end of the day, it's what's on the scoreboard. But on the stat sheet, 
Alex was number one in your hearts and number one on the sheet. He was the MVP of he his was, team. Alex, Alex playing like it was a contract year. Yeah. He's like, what was <laughs> He's it? trying to get signed. He's like, I'm trying to get the fuck out this. I'm trying to get paid and yeah. I'm trying to leave this team. <laughs> Try to get out of this ghetto. Um, yeah. So, listen, you know how sometimes kids can be shy or awkward. He didn't really want to approach anybody. He didn't, he's not one of those kids. He's like my wife. You talk to him, he'll talk your ear off, but he's not coming to you. And, right. uh, you know, that's what kind of happened at the beginning of the whole session. But then, you know, once you showcase skills like that, everybody all of a sudden wants to be your friend. So he's getting high fives. He's getting, oh, good job, Alex. Yeah, okay. Oh, now you see the swag. All right. Now that you – what was it? Um, <laughs> Deadshot said in Suicide Squad. All right. Now you saw the action. Let's talk about the price. Okay? Yeah. I was looking at the coach. I said, you see what the hell just happened here? You better give his ass – I said it before. Now I know how LeBron's parents feel. You better get his ass some help. He need to bring some talent in here so he doesn't have to do this shit by himself. Over here, bending over backwards. He's scoring goals, stopping goals. What the shit is this? My son can't. I mean, he, let me not phrase that. He can't do everything, but don't let his ass have to do everything. God damn. <laughs> he shouldn't. He can't, but he shouldn't have. There's no 13-year-old Venezuelan you can fly in here with a bullshit birth certificate to get in here and help him out on the defensive end. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't. <laughs> We need defense. We don't need a striker. We got the best striker in the <laughs> yeah, league. He's the best striker in the games. <laughs> this dude is built to run on the wing. He's not even the he's crazy. Even... The cool part. The cool part, though, uh, I'm, I'm sure as he'll learn, it's like when you first start playing sports, you start to learn like how good you are and how good you can be, and you start doing that. And then that type of shit hits a different level. So I can't wait till he gets like a Joey on his team mm. to see like how he works. Like that just makes you, dude. When when you're nice at something, and then yeah. you meet someone else who's also nice, mm-hmm. and you're both on the same team, that shit hit different. Well, I'm actually you looking start to... forward to next week because the person, the reason why we signed up for this league, like I said, is one of his best friends in school. His name is Neymar. Uh, like the Samariner, it's awesome, and he he he's been playing his whole life. He's a Joey, and he was the one that convinced Alex in the first place to even do soccer. He's never had an interest in anything like that. Right. So we tried him at Soccer Roof, and he did a pretty okay job. We brought him here so that he could play with Neymar. We spoke to Which the coaches, is- the parents got together. They're like, "Yeah, we're gonna put him on the same team," and he didn't show. So Alex did all this stuff today by himself. When the game was over, the first thing that Alex said when we were walking to the car, he was, I can't wait till next week when I play with Neymar. And he actually used these words because once me and Neymar are on the same field, we can't be stopped. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I said, oh, shit. Uh, well, we'll <laughs> listen, listen, we'll see because I, then you yeah. got the opposite side of that coin. I know, because you're a god and now you're not getting the ball as much said, and you start yep. to feel. So we'll see what happens. I said, don't, 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 don't feel like Jordan when you're really a Pippin. You're going to get yourself hurt. Relax yourself. Because, yeah. like I said, I told him in the car, I said, you got to be careful because Neymar has been playing this game for a while. He's been playing his whole life. It's going to be a good chance yeah. that he's going to want the ball more than he's going to want to give it to you. Yeah, and but like, hey, we'll see. wanting the ball, wanting the ball and having the heart to go get the ball are two different things, baby. Yeah, that's another you thing that I enjoyed. Some- when he Natural f- talent will discourage someone who's worked hard. Yeah, when all he first life, started, man. 
he was so afraid of the ball. He wouldn't go after the ball. He was he wouldn't stand in the same place, but he's not moving a lot. If the ball happened to be in his way, he'll kick it, but he's not going after it. Progress to this to yesterday, he was all over that ball. I was like, yes, make that ball is your bitch. Go Alex after it. Alex is a freak though, man. But he that's a be. that's a comment to actively taking your kid out all the time, dude. He's <laughs> got so much in endur- like even for a kid, he has a lot of endurance. Like how gas was he after that? Uh, he was not so much gas. Tired, I'm sure. Sweaty, that's for sure. I've never that... seen my son that moist in my life. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but to be fair, uh, we was he hurting the next day? Nah, no, no. After soccer, he usually does complain about his legs being sore, but it never travels to the next day. Not yet. He's not at that age yet. I, I, I never if he keeps it up, but like that's his recovery's insane. Yeah, no. He, Give the kid a banana afterwards too. He did. Game over. Oh, there you go. We have bananas. That's it, house, man. Yeah. Soon as he's done, give that. Give him a banana. Yeah, a grilled cheese with some banana slices give him a banana. and some Pringles. Yep. Always lunch. give him a banana after that. His recovery will just be insane. Absolutely bonkers. So people are probably listening to this now going, oh, my God, is he going to talk about his kid this entire fucking episode? Maybe. No, 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 I won't do the entire fucking episode on just my kid because that would be fucking Oh, good, because then I'm going to talk about mine. So let me tell you what. Okay, good. Yeah, we would like an update. We're all on on Sam Watch. What's going on? When last you left us, the FedEx guy was fucking you up. What happened? Well, yeah, that that's that was a little that got sidetracked. I, I had a the the crib coming. It kept going back. Apparently, I called them. I'm like, hey man, like, uh, where's my crib? And they're like, oh yeah, uh, let me take a look. And you hear the typing and the keyboard clicking and click click. And then they go, oh, I'm like, uh, sitting there. And she's like, uh, well, apparently it's in Ohio. I'm like, oh, Ohio. Well, I don't live in Ohio, so yeah. I have no clue why it would be there. I'm like, look, the only reason why I'm calling, well, the reason why I called originally was because the package, what was it? I think I got a message or something that said, oh, no, I called and the lady was like, oh, there's a note here that says they haven't re-delivered it in the past two days because it's buried behind other packages. And I was like, I failed to see how that's my problem. So I don't know why my package isn't here yet. So she was like, all right, well, let me get you to the dispatcher so they can get you more information. So they sent me over there, and the lady's like, oh, well, apparently it's in Ohio. And then she she does that thing where, <clears throat> and I understand because I've done it a lot working in, like, retail and shit, where you start to overshare and hopes to get the sympathy of the person that's getting fucked so that they don't yell at you. Yes. So she's like, Oh, it's in Ohio, which is weird because it wasn't even shipped from Ohio. So it's like, why is it over there? Yeah. And like, I was like, yeah, I'm why? not the bad guy. These people are the bad. Yeah, guy. right. I got. I was like, yeah, I'm calling because they told me that they weren't sending me my package because it was behind packages. But clearly, they did ship my package somewhere else. She's like, I'm gonna put a message in right now. I don't know how the fuck they did it because they scanned it into Ohio. That's how she knew it was there. Because they, they had actually physically taken it off the truck and scanned it. so And that was like like noon, 1 o'clock. I don't know how they did it, but they got it to me the next day. So it went from Ohio to my front doorstep. 
in like uh, less than 24 hours, which was uh, pretty interesting. I don't really know how that worked. But that's not even the main thing here. The main thing here is that we are learning from the womb that I'm dealing with a grade A troll here. Oh boy. There's, there is, there is telltale signs that this baby is an absolute troll. And we've gotten uh, two ultrasounds, one, uh, one voluntarily because we wanted the 3D scan or the 4D scan. And the other one was a routine doctor visit thing that they wanted us to do to go look. So the first time we went to go get our ultrasound, uh, she, would, she kept flipping over to facing her back like facing my wife's back. Mm. So every time they would ultrasound her, all they would get was the back of her head. Every once in a while, she'd flip over a little bit, but then whatever it is that she was feeling, she would still feel it and actively just turn right back over. And we're all like, Sammy, turn around, turn around. Sammy, come on, turn around. And she'd start to turn. And whatever was annoying her, she'd flip right back around every single time. So they were like, all right, you got to come back. You got to get You got to get a view of her face to make sure that she's okay. So like, all right. So we left. Two weeks later, we go back. You do the same thing. Come on, Sammy. Turn around. She's doing the same thing. She's literally flipped over her back facing us. Turn around. Turn around. Won't freaking budge. So then we're finally just barking at her. And my wife's like, come on. Seriously, I don't want to come back here. I don't want to have to come back here again just to get your face. Please turn around so we can just get this done. So the, the lady's like, all right, turn to your side. To, and she flipped her over. And I shit you not. I have a frame. I have a six frame shot, which is a frame by frame <laughs> of my child turning profile wise, not even all the way. She turns profile, lifts her fist in straight into the air as if to flip us all off pulls her arm down and then flips right back over facing her stomach. But thankfully it was enough for her to get a shot of her face. Hmm. Then we go to the voluntary scan and she's doing the same thing. She does not want to flip over. I, I prep talked to her before we left. I said, listen, I said, you listen here, baby, we're going to go and you're going to turn around and you're going to let us see your face because this is a 3d scan is the main thing to see her face so we get there she's turned in a way where she's not completely turned over to her back but once she started doing the scanning thing where she's like checking the body and stuff like that she gets annoyed and she flips over again so we finally get her to turn because now at this point she's uh more like flipping left and right left and right we're trying to get her to turn over and she's just she finally gives us a profile and she won't move. She's sitting there yawning, sticking her tongue out. You can see her tongue coming out of her mouth, but she would not drop her arms from her face. And then at one point she drops one arm halfway and then puts her foot in her mouth. And then she's got both arms and feet in her mouth, just covering her face for 30 minutes. So she gave us her face, but she wouldn't drop her guard for like, 30 whole freaking minutes. We got does two, not like photos. We got two decent shots of her face. And one of them, which was the best shot, you could see her foot in her mouth. Hmm. She just refused. She just absolutely refuses 
to be scanned. She does not like it. So no more of those until they make us. But <laughs> the lady was like, oh, you should come back in a couple weeks. And we're like, yeah, we're not dropping another $80 for this. We got what we needed. <laughs> so listen, let's we're not like, play that game. We know we're we- not coming back. I got my heartbeat. And I got my uh, photo of her face. I'm good. I'm not coming back. But, dude, when I tell you I have a frame-by-frame shot of my daughter turning around, flipping off the ultrasound tech, and turning back around, mm. it is the it is my pride and joy. Does not like photos. All right. No, she doesn't like being messed with. Because no. she moves around a lot. Is At least that's what my wife tells me. She moves around a lot. She's very active. But the moment we get into that place, she shuts down. She just she balls up. She puts her hands in her face and she'll turn over and she just will not budge. And then the moment we leave, she's flopping around like a fish. That's what my wife says. She's flopping around now. but She won't do that in there. So clearly she doesn't like it. And if you piss her off enough, she'll she'll let you know. Yeah, she sounds like she's going to be lovely. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Have my little troll. Can't wait. I I'm very listen. I know me, right? And you grew up with me, so you know how I am. Mm-hmm. And I know her. I am so interested to see how this turns out, man. I'm not even gonna be mad at half the shit she does. I'm just so I'm just so intrigued to see how she comes. I can't wait. For her to, one of my one of my proudest moments is ever is gonna be when she looks at somebody who's dumb and then looks at me like that person is dumb, yes. and at that moment I'm be like, this is my child. Yeah, I, <laughs> I now know you'll be safe in this world because yeah. you can identify this stupid. You shit can identify the stupid. I'm telling you, man, this baby is a troll, and I love it. Yeah, my they gave my son an award in school for being the most logical kid in class. I said, "Well, that's a problem." The wait, what? Yeah. The most logical kid in class? Yeah, they were doing. You know how sometimes it was like uh, when you were in a classroom, whatever they have like these. They they come up with categories for awards as an ex- excuse to give kids an award. So it's like, oh, prettiest. I don't know, shirt or whatever the fuck. It was like, oh, Julian won this or whatever. They gave my son most logical kid in class. And he was proud of it. But I just looked at (laughs) Steph and I said, that's code for he is a dick in that classroom. He has got to be arguing with fucking everybody. Most logical. Most logical kid in class. I'm like, that basically, you're calling my son an asshole is what you're doing. Thank you. I'm putting this trophy up. This (laughs) can be my favorite trophy. That's right. My That's kid my is son's an asshole. Favorite fucking phrase. That doesn't make sense. Oh my fucking god! Get away from me. What doesn't make sense? It doesn't matter. It, uh, I hear that fucking sentence from both of these people all fucking day. My wife says it, and now my son says it. But that doesn't make any sense. Oh my fucking god! Get away <laughs> from me. Woo! I say that shit all the time. That's my favorite phrase ever. It don't make sense. It don't make sense. It do- not only does it not make sense, but you sound stupid for explaining it the way that you do. Yeah. Because it's incorrect. I love telling people they're wrong. About about something that's um clearly uh what, what's the what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, opinion. Like yeah. if it's opinion based, oh I love like, oh that's cool, but I mean you're wrong, but that's yeah. fine. 
like you're entitled to be wrong. That's a beautiful part about this country. <laughs> yeah. We had to tell my son because apparently. Oh, my kid's going to be an asshole, yeah. dude. Yeah, no, both wait. our kids are going to be assholes. But oh dude, what's God. They, they tried this with my son. The whole, there are no stupid questions, just stupid answers. I looked at my son right in the face. I said, that's the most incorrect shit you will ever be told. <laughs> there are a thousand stupid fucking questions that you can ask. Don't be that kid, please. He goes, well, I don't understand. They said there's no stupid questions. I said, yeah, you know why they said that? They're saying that to you so that you have the confidence in yourself to ask a question whenever necessary. But you have to ask questions that are logically logical and will help you get somewhere. I said, Alex, when you ask someone a question, the point of this entire interaction is so that you, learn you ask a question and this person gives you something exactly that you learn from this so that you don't have to ask that question ever again. Mm. If someone is explaining something to you and you have a question, the question should include you trying to get information about something they didn't mention or right. something that's supposed to happen after you complete whatever it is they're asking you to do. So I'll give you an example, Alex. If I tell you, don't leave the milk on the counter. If you leave the milk on the counter for too long, it will warm up and spoil. It will have to throw it away. So keep it in the fridge. If you hear me say that out loud, what would be a stupid question to ask me, Alex? He goes, why can't I leave the milk on the counter? Exacto mundo. <laughs> Correct. Why is that a it's stupid question? It's cool that he can identify the stupid yes. questions, though. I said, why would that be a stupid question? He thought about it for a second. He goes, because you just told me that if I do, it'll spoil. <sighs> Thank you. So now do you understand what I mean by stupid questions? He's like, yeah, okay, I kind of get it. I was like, yeah, there are such a thing as stupid questions. Don't ask stupid questions. <laughs> Don't listen to this person who's like, there's no such thing as a stupid question. There absolutely is. Don't be the fucking guy that says them. <laughs> Read the room. I need you to put that square into that square hole. Yeah, but why the color brown? Yeah. Though? <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. question. I don't know. It doesn't really pertain to this, but good question. Yeah, follow up. No, right there. no, that's a stupid fucking question. It makes no sense. It doesn't pertain to this. Yeah, my son does this thing now when kids say something stupid to him where he doesn't respond. He just looks at me like, are you here right now? Did you hear? I said, I'm here, bro. No, I'm telling you, that that's the moment I'm waiting for. Yeah. I might cry as a grown ass man in the middle of the room. I'm gonna just start tearing up. They'll be like, yo, what's wrong? I'm like, yo, my baby just realized that your baby is stupid and it makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're gonna probably run into this more than I have because of the girl aspect, but you know, when people are physical in class, my biggest well, not my excuse me, my wife's biggest fear is that he's gonna end up in a fight. And it's New York, it's inevitable, right? But there are people sometimes that are aggressive with him physically. He just fucking looks at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like he, it's actually worked out well for him where people are like in his face and he just gives them that stupid look that he gives people. And they just go, well, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Like they start to, they start to like do self-realization on themselves. Cause he doesn't understand. The 
I, I think he just doesn't understand how to match that energy just yet. Like he doesn't no, get like cause... that's not what he's brought up around. That type of energy isn't in his house. No, it's not things that he experiences with his cousins or not. That's not an energy that is constantly around him. So for him, I don't think it's really a matter. It's real. I think it really is just a matter of what. Why are you doing what you're doing? Like I'm so fucking confused. Like he doesn't have that energy towards anybody either. Right. Like he's not an ass. He doesn't try to maliciously do something wrong to somebody versus. So for someone to approach him in that way, I'm sure he's just like, wait, what? What's happening? Like, I've I've never experienced this before. What's going on? (laughs) He's not an aggressive person. And physically, anyway, I should say he's not an aggressive person. He he will cut you in half with his mouth, but he's not going to fucking touch you. That's not what his M.O. is. As a matter of fact. The more he hears about my past, the more he's starting to be a more of a judgmental prick. Because what do you mean? I gave you an example, right? So we're flipping through. Um, I got like a bunch of old pictures on my laptop. We were recently looking over some of those pictures because we're planning on putting some sort of collage together or whatever. So we're going through some stuff and we come across a picture of dad. And he goes, who's that? I said, well, that's my dad. Technically, ask your grandpa. He's like, have I met him before? I was like, no, you've never met him. You're going to be, actually not going to be, he's currently seven. He's never met his grandfather. So I was like, no, you've never met him. So he had this confused look. Okay, well, I mean, like, what the fuck? Like, where is he? Like, you know what I'm saying? He's just like, okay, well, we planning on it. I've well, met, I've I'm met open the two, on Tuesday. Yeah, I've met the two grandmas. He's he's met those two people. He's met uh, his grandpa from Steph's side. He's like, why haven't I met this one? Uh, he's not around because of this, this, this. And he just had this confused look on his face. I said, where have I lost you? He this, he left. And he was just like, right. But why? <laughs> right? He can't. It dawned on me in that moment. He can't comprehend the concept of a single parent home. No clue. Doesn't even know how to register that. Like, how the fuck does that even look? Like, he he's like, yeah, yeah me and, and David and Lily and uh, even to a degree, Wayne, to a, to a bit. You know, it's like we didn't really grow up with our dads there. And he's like, okay. Again, no concept. And I'm like, yeah, his father left him. He left us. And that's when his eyes got big. He started following that pattern. I said, no, nigga, I ain't going nowhere. Like, goddamn. Like, no, he, <laughs> he's like, wait a minute. He's got to put this shit together. Wait a goddamn second. Yeah, that was the next question. He's like, how old were you when he left? I was like, I was five. He's like, how, how old was your dad? I'm not sure, but it was probably around the same age. He started putting the numbers together. Hold up. I'm seven. I'm like, I'm not going. Relax, bro. Jesus. <laughs> I ain't tell you this shit so that you can go down that path. I'm just like, I'm just letting you know this is the reason why it's you're not probably going to meet him. And he was just, then he put, you know, started really thinking about it. And he goes, so he wasn't really around when you were a kid. I said, no, barely. You know, he made special guest appearances on the sitcom that is my life. He was like, real quiet. And he goes, I don't like him. <laughs> why? He goes, because why would he leave you guys? I don't understand. He's still, even now, if I re- like he, I tell him what it was, right? It's like, oh, him and mom 
him and my mom didn't really get along. There was a lot of arguing. He didn't want to be around for that. He tried visitation in the beginning, didn't really take, blah, blah, blah. You know the whole story. And then he, and then he goes, he hears all that. And it's just in one ear and out the other because the end result was that he left. Right. And he can't rationalize past that point. He's just like, okay. I understand there was arguments because he sees me and Steph argue from time to time. He doesn't like it. Not a fan, but it happens. But I'm here every day. And he's just like, I, I know that sometimes people don't get along. He's, he, now he's seen that. He's seen all the things that I discussed. Where I lose him at is that my dad did all that stuff and just said, fuck it, and left. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm still here. So I, I'm hoping as he gets older, it becomes more of a, he starts to figure it out a little bit more. But I always knew the day would come. Where he's going to look at dad and go, well, what the fuck happened with that? And now he knows, but he it's still not, like, his only thing about it is, is you know, I, I don't like him because he did that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really, even now, he doesn't really have an idea of what it is he's really talking about. But it starts to get to that point. And your daughter has got two stories <laughs> coming from you and from Nor. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a fun little trip to have to figure <clears> that shit out. My yeah. son just recently found out what 9-11 is. Oh, shit. That's a He's... that's a trip. What did he learn in school? No. Uh, well, t- yes, yes and no. So what happened was is all school, his school, I got to be honest with you, it's a charter school. They are really, really good with being vague on really huge topics. <laughs> in the sense that they really let the parents kind of fill in the blanks. They'll bring some things in. When um, there was a, that, that subway shooting about a week or so ago, there was a, a lockdown. And I guess some of the teachers and some of the adults were kind of talking or whatever quietly or whatever the case may be, but a few kids might have overheard, my son being one of them, where for some reason, and I felt the same way, so I'm not even really that mad about it, but that instantaneous what the fuck is happening, what the fuck is going on, there's a shooting, there's things blowing up, the guy is still on the loose, God knows what else can happen. Here in New York, whenever something like that happens, everything, every time, goes back to 9-11, because that was how the country felt at that time. And... Obviously, my son's seven. He didn't experience 9-11. So he doesn't know what that means. People were talking about it at school. Oh, this is like 9-11. When this happened, this happened. And he can't rationalize what that is. He doesn't fucking know what they're talking about. He just knows that it sounds really, really, like, serious. So he asked, what the hell is 9-11? What were they talking about? And I was like, oh, boy. I don't know if you want to go down that path because this guy cries when characters, when cartoon characters die. He starts crying. I'm like, I don't know if you want to know about that. I, so I gave him just kind of like a brief look. We had two really tall buildings in downtown Manhattan. They're not there anymore. Two planes went into them. The building, I didn't even get into the 3,000 people, but I was just talking about the structure. <laughs> like the two planes went into those two towers. They fell to the ground. One plane went into the Pentagon and one plane hit the grassy fields of Pennsylvania. That's how that whole day went down. And uh, there was a lot of confusion. There was a lockdown. That's probably what they're talking about because there was a lockdown very similar to that that happened the day of the shooting. So he was like, uh, okay. (laughs) He just took it for what it was. It just sounded like a situation that happened. He didn't ask any further questions. I'm sure as he gets older, 
and he starts hearing about the 3,000 people and the lives and all that stuff, we'll probably get more questions. But so these things, like, he's starting to get to an age now, and it's kind of a scary time when you think about it, where he's starting to put together that death is playing a much bigger role around him than he thought. Right. Like, he gets sad, like I said, when cartoon characters die and stuff like that, and he gets used to the idea in movies that even when people die, like, there's always going to be a happy ending somewhere toward the end. But that's all the kid movie stuff. He's starting to get toward that age where it's like it's starting to become real to him that death is more final than it appears in cartoons and in movies. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to get real to him. And he's been recently saying things to us like he'll hug us randomly and tell us, I don't I don't want to grow up. Cause I don't want to grow up. And I, well, why don't you want to grow up? Growing up is awesome. There's beer and women, and you're looking, you're passing us something awesome here. <laughs> and he goes, "Hell, he's I know I don't want to grow up because if I grow up, that means you guys are going to get old, and mm-hmm. if you get old, you're going to die, and I don't want to be here without you." Damn! It's like, what the fuck do you tell? What the fuck do you tell this kid? What were you watching in the we other room? No, we weren't even that happened. I'm I'm telling you right now, it happened. Random as fuck. We were watching. He was watching mostly. There was some show on or whatever. And there wasn't even death. It was just some kid who hugged their grandma or whatever. And I guess the thought of that person being old made him realize that we're going to get old. And he was just like, yeah, I don't want to. He put it together. If I grow up, you will grow up. And you're ahead of me. So you'll get old and you'll die. And I'll just be by myself. I said, well, Alex, the goal here is to not be by your fucking self. You're going to be an adult, hopefully, when we go. So you'll have friends, you'll have family, hopefully a wife or something going on in that department. You'll be fine. He said, you're not going to be alone. He was like, right, but I don't want you to die. I said, well, I mean, listen. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) If I could take a pill that prevents it, I'd take it. But that's not how this system works. Uh, That was very nice. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I said, Fuck I that. Fuck that pill. I don't know. I said I don't know. I, I was I was promised something here, and although I don't want to pay out right now, I'll go want one sooner or later. Yeah, but I can't tell him that because then he's gonna go. Oh my god, he wants to die. No, is- <laughs> his shit will spiral. Yeah, yeah he, he'll be nuts. He'll be like, oh, but wait, I thought I was good. Just like, no, you're a piece of shit. I don't want to be here anymore. That's no, funny. it would just take it down a whole different fucking path. So it's like, how, how do you tell? How do you tell a kid? He's like, you know, I don't want to die on you, but you know, that's how all this works. I said eventually. I said, I'll put it to you like this, though. Hopefully this will make you feel better. If it makes you feel any better, if all things go correctly, you're going to lose your grandmas before you lose me. Oh, my God. I'm sure that fucking just, yo, he freaked out. But I was just like, no. I was just like, listen, I mean, chronologically, I'm just saying. If you get older than I get older than I get older than they get older. Word. Are you finding out the system now? I told him, I said, listen, you're, you're the oldest of the new generation, right? He's got two cousins, male cousins on Steph's side, and then he's gonna have, you know, your daughter as a niece, as a cousin. I said, but you're you're the oldest of the group. Like I was the oldest of the group, so you gotta do what you need to do to make sure that the group stays, you know, okay. And he was like, okay. And I was like, yeah. So you're gonna listen. If I go, 
and mom go and, and it's just you and your situation or whatever, you got a lot of people around you. You got to make sure this shit runs correctly. And I'm, that actually made him feel better because he's like, you know, you once you tell my son he can be in charge of something, that's it. He's like, okay. <laughs> All right, sounds good. At that fun. point, I don't think, I think his whole shit shifted. I think he couldn't wait for me to die at that point. He's it's like, like oh, oh, okay, oh, well, you can go now. Yeah, I'm going to be running the show. Okay, cool. Well, you know, take a hat with you. I heard it gets chilly in heaven, and then I, <laughs> I'll take it from here. Just back up and do whatever. But yeah, so that's the situation with that. Leave, leave the remote where I can find it, please. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, put that shit within arm's reach, so I don't have to call Spectrum and get that fucking remote sent back to me. But yeah, I, I that's we're at a point now with him where that's where we just tell him, you know, everything we do with him, we tell him now. We're showing you this so that you could do it without us. We're past all that other stuff. He he's at a point now where he needs to be fully independent of himself. You know, so we're like, okay, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. This is like, like just now when my, my, uh, I paused the show for a second because my wife went to help, uh, our sister, Wayne, Wayne was here and she's leaving and my wife went to go help her with something and she needed to be buzzed back in. And my fucking son is sitting there on the laptop listening to this incessant buzzing and isn't doing shit. I have to pause it and push the button. My wife comes in. Didn't you hear the door? No, I didn't hear the door. You didn't hear the door sitting next to the goddamn buzzer. Anyway, like, that's the kind of shit. Like, we try to get this dude. For, we're trying to make sure you don't die, you idiot. <laughs> My God in heaven. We can't be. He's so reliant on us. He just, he knows we're going to be there. That is, a, it sounds like a positive on paper. It's becoming a huge negative. I always oh, wanted my kid to be like, yeah, my dad's going to be there no matter what. You know, based on our upbringing, one of my biggest goals as a parent, I don't ever want my son to not know that I'm not in the next room. Right? That's it, like a safety thing. I'm with that. I love that. But now it's getting to a point where he knows it, and it's becoming detrimental. Because, he's exploiting it. Yes, because he just expects me and Steph to just do it. And it's becoming a pain in the ass. He eats slowest. Everything he does in life is fast except eat. He will take three days to eat a fucking sandwich. And we got to get on him and we got to get on It would be faster if you fed me. I'm not feeding you, you fuck. Eat the sandwich. But it's, you know, it is what it fucking is. It is what it is. Uh, One quick point before we get out of here. I know we've basically just been shooting this shit here. And, I, you know... It's my show. It's our show. <clears throat> Whatever. I felt I felt good doing this. I needed this. I needed to get this shit. This week has been, uh, like I said, spring break. I haven't done anything all week. No school stuff. No work stuff. No wrestling stuff. I've literally been on a self-imposed vacation because I just feel like I'm. I've been hitting a wall. So I needed a few days to just not fucking think mm. so you could tell by the vibe of this show that it shows that we didn't really put anything together for it we mm -hmm. are just telling some stories about what's been going on behind the scenes in our personal lives but this has been kind of cathartic i actually like the fact that i've been able to come on here and just have that conversation uh there is one wrestling thing i want to bring up though and we'll end it here with this point and it won't take long this is going to be one of the shorter episodes and that's fine we don't need to be here all fucking day um, but this is a wrestling point that 
I think needs to be discussed because um, I've been having this conversation with people and I just thought it would be a really good conversation to have on the show. I made a post the other day that stated, and I'll read it because it's in front of me. And this is my own personal thought. It was on my Facebook. I can make a sincere argument that an indie wrestling company with a roster that is 70% enhancement talent and 30% marketable, pushable talent can make more money than an indie wrestling company that has the opposite percentage. That was the post. And of course, underneath that post were comments by, and I'm looking at them now, everyone who commented on my on that post is a promoter or was a promoter or is a booker or was a booker. And I didn't think that I would get that response from them. Because a lot of the people that commented on that don't do that. They go the other way with it. But, you know, to each their own. I guess they felt the need some type of way to say something. And then I got a few nice little messages. <clears throat> so the one thing that I wanted to talk about was well, a couple things real quick. I wanted to expand on this. And I actually kind of wanted to get your thought about it because you're not a hard. You, you don't watch any indie wrestling. You don't watch any mm-hmm. indie wrestling. At best, you'll watch the stuff that I send you or you'll catch the mainstream stuff on your own time. So Mm -hmm. I really wanted to get your opinion on this because I think this fits along with some of the stuff you've actually seen and have experience with. My point about the enhancement talent and the marketable talent. What do you mean by enhancement? I'm going to, yes, thank you. Okay, okay. I'm going to explain it. So that was, yes, that was exactly where I was going next. Enhancement talent. I don't like the word jobber. I don't like the word jabron. I don't like all that other terminology because it is kind of detrimental to the person that's doing the job. An enhancement talent is a professional wrestler who is extremely skilled at the art of professional wrestling, okay? May not be the flashiest guy, may not be the most charismatic guy, but he's a great hand. He can get in there, he can take the bumps, he can do the moves, you can have a wrestling match with him where you're completely safe, he's not going to do anything where he goes into business for himself, he's not trying to get over at your expense, he's a good wrestler and you can go in there and you can have a great match with him and everybody will look good. And you need talent like that. Because whenever you tell people enhancement talent or jobber or jabroni, everyone, their brain goes, well I don't want to be a job guy. But we need job guys. Not everyone is that other side of the coin. Marketable, pushable talent. I guess that explains itself, right? It's I think the, guy... the problem is that some people may not know that they're that. Yes. Just going to get to that. So the enhancement, uh, not enhancement, the, the pushable, marketable talent line that I used. These are the guys who may not even be the best wrestlers. They just got a look. They've got verbal ability they've got a presentation about them they have a something about them as eye grabbing and you can put them on a flyer you can put them on your tickets you can put them on your website and say hey this guy is going to wrestle on saturday and people will come okay Mm -hmm. the reason why i gave those percentages why we need 70 percent enhancement talent 30 percent pushable marketable talent is because, and this goes back to some of the way that TV was done in the pro wrestling days, a little bit back in the day, where you would have a major star come out, he's wrestling average Joe Nobody, and all you get to see is the superstar do all this cool stuff. Razor Ramon, he'd come out, he'd wrestle job guy number two, 
He'd come out and they'd lock up and he'd showcase his strength. He'd show his speed, run the ropes a little bit, do a few quick moves. He would do some character work, smack the guy in the back of the head a couple times, paintbrush, you know, do the whole taunt with the toothpick. You'd give the guy a couple of, you know, a couple of kicks, a couple of punches in there, and then you cut him off immediately with something cool, fall away slam, something dope, showcase the strength, bing, bang, boom, razor's edge, matches over. 9 to 10, maybe 10 to 12, just to give some time for selling. And you beat the guy. Strong look, strong win, on to the next week. And you do it again. And you do it again. So that, and you, while you're doing it to Razor Ramon, now you're doing it to, to Big Daddy Cool Diesel on the other side of the channel, right? On the other side of the show, here comes Diesel, 7-footer. He's going to wrestle Joe, average Joe number 3. And this match will look different because... Diesel's a seven-foot monster, 300-plus pounds. So that match is going to be shorter. Elbows to the corner, big sledges, a big boot, power bomb. One, two, three, the big man looks great. You take those two individuals, opposite ends of the card. Feed, 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 feed. Three months later, when you say, hey, Diesel's going to fight Razor Ramon, fuck yeah. Because these two fucking guys have been unstoppable for fucking months. And now they're going to be put in a match where somebody has to lose? Oh, fuck yes. Super fights. We used to have those. Remember those? Those were those were great back in the day. Mm. Now, the reason why I threw the words, because a lot of companies do do that, especially television shows. WWE still does it to a degree. Not as much as they used to. AEW does it on occasion when they feel the need. Impact does it the best, I feel. Uh, Ring of Honor used to do it back in the day, but that's as close to indies you're going to get. Indie wrestling doesn't do it this way because burr, 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 you hit it right on the head. Who the fuck actually thinks they're enhancement talent? Who the fuck goes to wrestling school and goes, you know what? I'd love to be the Brooklyn Brawler right now, like for the remainder <laughs> of my career. I just want to get my ass kicked by everybody. No one does that anymore, which is hilarious because there's so many people in wrestling school that that's really all they should be used for. There are no trainers who are telling people, you know what, at best, you'll be enhancement talent. You know why? Because if you tell a guy that, he's going to stop coming to your wrestling school, and then they'll lose money. So instead of telling a guy straight up, you know, you'd be a great enhancement guy, like, oh, no, you know, you keep working at it, you'll get signed, don't worry about it. Everybody who comes into wrestling wants to be The Rock. Everybody who comes into wrestling, they want to be cool, they want to do the cool promos and they want to get the big wins and all that that's what everybody does when they want to come in it's never advertised it's never talked about it's never encouraged for people to come into the wrestling business and earn a living just being enhancement talent you could make a lot of money in today's industry because there aren't any enhancement talent can you imagine calling a promoter on the phone hey you give me 50 bucks i'll job to anybody you fucking want it's going to be a dope match. <laughs> the job, God. You know how many promoters would jump at the fucking chance. They would be throwing money at you. Because everybody, everybody that hits up a promoter for bookings, they go, hey, I'd like to work for your company. Great. How much? This much. That sounds like a reasonable amount. Cool. So you think I can get booked on the show? Sure. No problem. You'll come on Saturday. We'll put you in a match with this guy. And everything is good. And then we're like a few days away from the show. Hey, by the way, who's going up on that match? Oh, my guy is going up on that match. All right, never mind then. I don't want to go. I've seen that happen. And it's a joke. It's just like, well, I don't want to go over there to lose. Why? I don't understand. I've, in my professional wrestling career, 
as a wrestler, not the other stuff. I don't. I think I've only won like one match in my entire fucking life. It just happened to be for the tag title, so that was fun. But I think I've lost every other fucking match I've ever had. And yet everybody wanted to wrestle me. Why? Because I bumped my ass off, sold the whole time, and made him look good. I, I'm not sitting here saying people should be enhancement talent because I'm being a dick. I was enhancement talent. So I know the value of having advancement enhancement talent. I was that guy. You took pride in that type of stuff. Yes, though. I did. You, you you weren't someone who wanted to be the rock. You're someone that would like to be a part of the team that develops. The I, rock. I've said it a thousand times That's on the show. That's always been your bad. I the wanted to be is, Jake Roberts. Most people want to be the rock. Yeah. They see the rock. They want to be the rock. I don't think that's wrong. No, but there's only one rock. Yeah, exactly. So what comes into play here is now you have to start to question yourself. How much do you love what you're doing enough to know that you may or may not be the rock? I'm sorry, but no matter how hard you work, you may or may not be that. Now that doesn't mean you can't reach pinnacles of what you would have reached if you didn't do otherwise. But like you said, if you get a reputation as the guy who's willing to come in there and produce, not just, see, there's a difference between being a job. See, there's a difference between being a jobber and enhancement talent to me. Jobber is someone like you said, the Brooklyn Brawler, things like that. The guy that you call in to mush down to the ground and then put your arms in the air and walk away so that the other guy does the same thing to somebody else, and then you guys have this big clash, which doesn't work anymore. People don't buy that shit. They don't care about that. Enhancement talent is someone that, like like you said, can do the job. They may lack in some other things or whatever the case may be, and that's fine. You can be minimal in those situations. If you take being an enhancement talent very seriously, you can run storylines as an enhancement talent. Yes, you can. You may not be the best, and that's the whole point. And you're probably going to lose in the end of that. You yeah. do a good enough job to do what you're there to do, and that's to make the other guy look good. To make it look like he had some resistance and he overcame it. Even if it was with relative ease, you gave him a fight. If you're known to be that guy, you could later out of respect hit certain milestones belt-wise that you wouldn't otherwise hit just out of sheer respect. And you get a lot of respect. You get a lot of grind time. You get a lot of, there's a lot that comes with that. But again, like I said, at the end of the day, everyone gets into wrestling to be that guy. And it's not a bad thing to push yourself. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, I agree with you. And me personally, I probably, if I were into wrestling, I'd probably be that guy too. I'd be the guy like, I don't give a shit about the belt. I don't fucking care about having the belt. I want to have a good storyline. Or something interesting that we did that made you made the guy who's the guy become more of the guy because of that. Yeah. I've always been like a support type of person. I always want to push someone else to that spot. Not to say that I think a little of myself. I just get sick joy in seeing other people do good. I don't know why it's <laughs> fucking weird. Yeah. I got uh, the name that always pops in my head. It's always the example that people give. And there, and this has happened to other people. But Mike, Mikey Whipwreck from ECW was always the best example of this. Because Mikey Whipwreck was, a, was hired by ECW to be on the ring crew. His only job was to set up the ring with, with the team. There was a team people to set up the ring, set up the chairs. 
That's it. That was their only job. And in exchange for that, before the shows would start or open up or whatever, they, the the ring crew or whatever the case may be gets the opportunity to kind of bump around and, and, and run ropes or whatever the fuck and kind of be in there while the other talent kind of exercised or worked out and got ready for their matches or whatever. And Mikey was one of those guys that was a part of that team, and he used to, you know, do the exercises and rolls and bumps and all that stuff. He trained. He he would train with the guys a little bit here, a little bit there. And he was such a nice guy, like personality-wise, the, the person, not the character. He, he didn't have a character at that point. He was just such a nice guy himself that the more he worked, the more the talent wanted to work with him, training him and doing this and doing that, da 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 and eventually, Paul was just like, hey, he takes nice bumps. He's got great facials. He's 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 got something going. Let's utilize him on some of the shows. So they used him as an enhancement guy. He'd come into the ring, and he'd he'd uh, uh, get his ass kicked. You know, he'd take a bunch of bumps, and he'd get mushed and power bombed and this and that. And his he sold it every time. Facials were perfect. Come in the back. Shake the man's hand. Thank you so much for the opportunity and go by this day. And they do come back, do it again next week. And over and over and over. And it got to the point where he was getting his ass kicked so fucking bad. And he was making it look like it was the worst beating. Every time he took another beating, it was the worst beating of his life. And to the point where Philly just started getting behind him. Mikey Whipwreck takes an ass kicking. And remember, folks, this is the 90s. Where, like, being tough meant something, like, back then. Even mm-hmm. if you weren't tough in the fact that you can kick somebody's ass, the fact that you could take an ass kicking. Taking an ass woman was equally as tough it was as being equally able to as tough. beat somebody's yes, ass. Yes, exactly. Yeah, sure. So he was getting over, getting over. And then Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, comes into ECW. And they're like, this fucking guy right here, you could do something with him. And they're like, what do you mean? He's he's a great enhancement talent. He's like, yeah, I mean, he can still lose matches and stuff, but he he doesn't have the most charisma in the world, right? He's not the most charismatic guy. I've met Mikey. He's not the most charismatic guy in the world. But he's a really cool dude. He's pretty funny, too. And he can, he can take a joke. He can make a joke. And I think Mick just looked at him and said, you know, he reminded him of himself, you know, or he was kind of an awkward kid and whatever. So he goes, I I want to run, like you said earlier, I don't really mind being champion so much as I want to be in a good story. Mick said, I, I want to do something with Mikey. And they're like, do what? He's like, well, let me tag with him. Because if, if I tag with him, he could win matches without winning any of the matches. It doesn't really ruin what he's got going on. Because after a while, they started steering into the fact that he just kept losing all the time. They actually changed his ring music. He started coming out to, I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you date me? Like, he was coming out to that shit. Mm -hmm. They were steering into the idea that he was a loser that just kept getting his ass kicked. So he was like, let's let's do something together to where now he's winning matches almost like by default because he just happens to be on the team that wins. (laughs) And they did that for a little bit. And then... uh, all of a sudden, Mikey started developing the Whippersnapper, which is basically a Stone Cold Stunner. He he invented that, and toward Stone Cold took it to WWE, with permission, by the way. And so, like Mikey was had developed this move, and it was looking dope. And now he's on a team with arguably the guy in the '90s who was considered the most tough and most sadistic motherfucker on earth, besides for maybe Sabu. 
and they're winning matches, and all of a sudden they win the tag titles. And I'll never forget the promo where Mikey gets the championship belt in his hand, and he's all emotional, and Mick grabs Mikey, and he starts screaming to camera, Mikey likes it! He likes it! Mikey likes it! Like the fucking commercial. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is great. And Mikey eventually would actually become ECW world champion. He became so popular just from getting his ass kicked that he actually started winning matches for real. And now he's doing top rope whipper snappers and he's winning the w, the w, the ECW championship. It, it, it was a whole deal. Respecting. Yeah, but that's what I tell people all the time. It's like, if. That was the challenge when I made El Angel Azul. I made the most ridiculous character I could possibly think of in my head. I took a luchador mask from a, uh, and, and made myself a luchador from fucking Alaska. I literally, he had a cape that was an Alaskan flag. I had Alaskan bears fighting on my fucking singlet. <laughs> like, I made the most ridiculous luchador character I can think of in my head. I gave him a Spanish accent when he spoke. It was broken and terrible, but that was the point. I made the most ridiculous character I could think of, and then I lost every match I was in. And I remember going to PWA, Pro Wrestling Academy, where Kara, who ran the promotion, loved me and was just like, we were the best of friends. And she was like, I can't keep jobbing you out. You got to win a match or two. I said, I will fucking leave if you book me in a match to fucking win. I was bringing in people for her to look at as potential talent to hire. And I was bringing them in specifically to beat me so that I could show her what he can do. Watch, I'm going to show you myself. I'm going to go in the ring, he's going to kick my ass, and you'll see what he can do. That's how I got people into PWA. I would have Sammy beat the shit out of me at PWA. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I got people into PWA. Like, this guy's great, watch. And then he'll beat the shit out of me, Montequilla, uh, Joe Borog, there's a long list of people who went to PWA through kicking my ass as Ellen Hellasul. And I and the only thing that I wanted to do as my character besides lose was I did the handshake deal to begin to give every match. Super babyface, white meat. Like I would try to shake my opponent's hand. And if you were a babyface, you shook my hand, Montekia would shake my hand. If you were a heel, you wouldn't shake my hand. But creatively, what I did was is I wanted each guy to not shake my hand in a different way. The first guy that did it shoved my hand away, how disrespectful. Another guy kicked my hand away. Uh, I think it was Sam went to shake my hand but then pulled me in for a suplex. There was, like, different ways that we got out of it. I had whip, my friend Mikey, Whiplash, he uh, – I reached my hand out to to shake his hand, and he looked at my hand, and then he spit in it. Oh. And, yeah, that's the same shit he said in the car. I said, well, I come up with different ways for the handshake. He's like, all right, so what do you want to do? I said, when I reach out this time, I want you to spit in my hand. He's like, oh, you want me to do what? <laughs> I said, I want you to spit in my hand. He said, no, nigga, because then if I spit in your hand, your hand's going to have spit in it, and we, <laughs> and we have to wrestle. I said, no, I'm going to take care of the spit. I'm not going to actually wrestle you with spit in my hand. What he didn't know was is that when when I did my whole thing as the character and I got the crowd going and my music and all that stuff, and I go in the ring and we get ready to wrestle and I put my hand out and he looks at it for a little bit and he spits in it. So does he spit in it? Like the reaction that you had, the reaction that Mikey had, the audience had. Oh, oh boo, that's fucking gross. So I, I did the whole cell job where I looked at my hand. I was like, well, that's bullshit. What am I going to do with this? And I wiped it on the referee's shirt. 
And the crowd went fucking nuts. They're like, right. and the referee just sat there like, oh, God, now I got spit on my shirt. It was like, we're going to be spit buddies. Here you go. Ooh, right there. And then we had our match. It was dope. Whatever. But that's what the type of things that I wanted to do. I got creative with the character. Even though I know I'm going to lose, how am I going to lose? You know what I'm saying? Whenever I, Even when I lost matches, uh, they would still cheer for me. Even after I like, I would lose, the guy would taunt, whatever. He would leave. I'm usually the last guy out. And I would get applause from people from my effort, from losing. And it just happened and happened and happened. And eventually in the Bronx, I was I like Mikey Whipwreck. I was teamed up with the main guy from that promotion in the Bronx, Bronco International, as some sort of backup for him when, as he was feuding with this other team. And we ended up beating them for the tag titles, and I won an actual championship, the Bronx Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship. I didn't score the pinfall in that match, but I walked away a champion. And ever since then, like even even from that point on, now now I'm still losing matches, but I'm losing like higher quality matches. I'm not losing to guys on the come up. I'm losing to guys now that are kind of on top, and and that's the direction I wanted to go. With my career, I always wanted to be the guy. I wanted to be the guy that worked with the guy, like Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts will wrestle Hogan. Roberts will wrestle the Warrior. He'll wrestle Rick Rude. He'll wrestle all these top guys. He's not going to beat any of them, but his promo, his presence, his ability to work gave you the impression that any minute now, that win's going to come. He always had you believing. Here we go. Here's that big win that we were talking about. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's like right there at the cusp. And that's the kind of individual that I always wanted to be. That's why I made this post and this comment. If we had 70%, I'll, I'll, rash, I'll put the ratio at two jobbers or two enhancement talent to one star. You have a large roster of people that you can have your stars burn through to look great so that when you put your super card together, when you put your, your main, okay, this is going to be the card that draws all the money, those talents that are on there have been developed in front of that audience to the point where you kind of want to see how it goes. Even in a scripted, like people say, it's predetermined, right? Even in a predetermined scenario, you can still get people to pay attention to it because they're going to want to know what you decided to do. How many times have we seen a match between two individuals? It was like, wow, what a great match. Who takes the loss? It's not even about who wins anymore in this day and age. Now it's, well, who do you beat? So when you have two stars that have been built up heavy, and now you put those two bulls together to collide and create one super match, even if you have one guy take a clean fall, He's been built up so much that it wouldn't take much to get him back on. It's like a boxer who goes 20, 25, and 0. He built, he beat all these jabrones. He built his record up. He has that big super fight. He takes the loss. Is he out of the industry? No, because he's built up so many wins before. All it would take is a few more wins to get back at it, and now he's a contender again, and here we are. It's the same way. Build up these wins. Rack up the wins. Yeah, he'll take a loss here. But at least he got beat by a real fucking competitor. Mm-hmm. And now he gets back on the bike. All right. We we know what we did wrong. You know, let's 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 work this out again. A few more matches, a few more wins under my belt. All right, let's run this bitch back. All right, I've I figured out what I did wrong. And it helps the commentary too. You know, he learned from his mistake. Like when Shawn Michaels fought The Undertaker. 
at uh, WrestleMania 25. They competed against each other and competed and competed and went back and forth and went back and forth. And then Sean went for a moonsault. That taker caught him and then dropped him in a tombstone. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's how he beat Sean. And the whole year after that match, knowing they were going to have a rematch the next year, promoted, not kayfabe. It, they promoted it. They said they were going to wrestle again on WrestleMania 26. The whole promo leading up to it is that we wrestled each other, we gave each other the best we could do, and I lost by an inch. I made one mistake, but I promise you, at WrestleMania, I won't make that mistake again. It's a built-in excuse to have a rematch. He made that one fucking mistake, and then Sean would go on to have a hell of a year, built him back up, and now here we go again. It's still a, It's still a mega match one year later. A year went by, and people were still anticipating that match. That's because of the way that it was booked. Mm-hmm. And we need more of that, is all I'm saying. The way that people book indie wrestling now is they just take two stars, put them together, hope it draws. That's not going to draw. Somebody has to lose that match. Someone in that match is not going to look good. Why don't you take all your stars, put them <laughs> in matches where they're all going to look like fucking stars? That will draw more money. I uh, think. I don't know. Because I've seen people get booked on cards, right? Like just recently, when I did Global Syndicate, that first first card ever, Hammerstone versus Aries. I was like, all right, that's dope, right? Because it's for a championship. They're fighting for a reason. But then on the next card, it's Aries and Fatu or something like that. And I'm like, why? Because Fatu is not going to get a chance to be Fatu in this match. He's going to have to work side by side with what Aries, Aries is going to do. Aries is not going to look like Aries in this match. It's going to be competitive. Back and forth. Some there's going to be reversals, counters, some moves that they normally would hit. They don't get to hit. It doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. Got to build toward that. Cold, cold superstar matchups. They don't draw in any wrestling. They don't. Why am I going to go to your Fed to go watch Austin Aries? Well, I can watch. I can watch him right now in front of me on my laptop, my phone. I don't need to go to your fucking show to see that. You know. So you got to give him a reason to come in. Not only is he coming, guys, but he's going to beat the teetotal shit out of this fucking guy. That's how I would promote it. If I had a big name coming in, oh, yeah, I got Goldust coming in. He's going to fucking cock slap some fucking guy on this show. I I miss the days of Goldust or whatever, like name a superstar who just fucking like Matt Cardona or whatever, right? I I love the idea of taking the superstar on the show and just putting in action. Like, don't even fucking name an opponent. He's he's just going to be in action. Right? Rikishi's here. He's in action. That's it. Well, who's he wrestling? Oh, no, it's a surprise for everybody. And then that way, in the building, you bring your jabron guy out to the ring, music, whatever. You know, following contest, go for one fall, blah, blah, blah. Guy comes to the ring, maybe a pop, maybe not. And then Rikishi's music hit. Now you're going to pop for two reasons. A, hey, it's Rikishi. That's cool. Two, wait, is Rikishi fighting this fuck? Oh, he gonna beat the shit out of this motherfucker. <laughs> we about to have a two-second match. What is this? And then you have your fucking match. You build, you build, you build. That's the that's the biggest problem. Nobody wants to build. They don't have time to build. They don't have the money to build. I I, I put that post out. Buddy hit me up. How are we supposed to build storylines between people? You don't even know if they're going to come. Then, True. then don't book a storyline with somebody who doesn't show up. I, I can give you a list of names right guy right now, people that I work with, who not only can do a storyline, but they're they don't miss days. They're dedicated. They can do this. And they don't get picked to be on these fucking shows. 
because that dedication requires funding. People who are really good at what they do and are dedicated to what they're doing don't do it for free. They'd rather do promoters and bookers would rather work for the twenty. Well, they want to be able to continue to do what they love. And in order to do that, unfortunately, you have to fucking pay them so that they can eat. Yeah. Or, you know, travel to your fucking show in the fucking first place or keep their appearances up. You know, or or keep their bodies the way you want them. You people, bookers want in shape, great looking gear, awesome music, awesome presence, fantastic worker who can go for sixty minutes for ten bucks. That's not how that works. And then they want you to promote their product, promote their website on your off time. Right? You got booked on a show for two months. They want to see you talk about their company for two months for what? Forty bucks? Is that what you pay for your advertising department? Well, yeah, when you get it for cheap. Yeah. No go. So, like, you know, that's why I put that post out there. And I found it ironic that it was promoters and bookers that were hitting me back up. Oh, you're so right. We need this and we need that. Okay, well, then do it. You're the fucking promoter. You're the fucking booker. Do it. It could be done. They just don't want to do it. It's competition, man. It's it. it, Yes, I, I agree with you. If someone wants to do something... They can do something, but the problem is there. It is ignorant to to believe that they are not victims to the way things work, and that they're not victims to their own psyche, where they want to do things a different way, but it's going to cause X, Y, Z sacrifice. Is it worth doing it that way when this way, you know, already works? Hmm. So it's just it one of those work, things you where you're just kind of a victim of your own whatever and unless you're tony khan level you can you can hold out for your better decision to pay off some people can't fucking do that they need look i want to build this stuff i want to dedicate to this but i'm getting zero return on this which is fine it's okay But it's not okay when I want to keep doing it and I'm bleeding and eventually at some point I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. So you got to do what works so you can sustain and survive. But it doesn't work. That's why I'm trying to say that. You know how many indie companies are up today and gone tomorrow because of that? Yes, you are absolutely correct. If you do it this way, if you slow burn like this, you're going to be eating a lot of money in the beginning. And that's common knowledge. Every promoter who who has been successful in the past, I don't know how many years, will tell you that in order for you to be on that level of success, you're going to need to eat a year. Fuck owner, business, business yeah. owner, period, across the yeah. board. For you to be successful in the industry, you have to eat a year. If you don't have the cash to eat a year, you're not going to survive. Because there's so many promotions out there right now all doing the same exact shit. And people already have their favorites. GCW is another independent wrestling company that's kind of making waves right now and is actually leaning toward being a bigger promotion than people think. And they have their fan base. Those people love wrestling. That doesn't mean they're going to every fucking wrestling show on the planet. If you had, if you ran a GCW show at your local VFW, it's going to sell out. If you take another company and go to that same exact building, it's not, it isn't going to sell out. People aren't even going to go. There's a place in New Jersey. I'm going to be headed back there in a few weeks. I don't mean to shit on them, but this is the truth. There's a place in New Jersey called Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. It's a local VFW over there. And it is the whore of North Jersey wrestling. Every company works in that building. 
because it's already got a tailor-made setup and the guy who owns the ring over there gives it out for a good deal. So every young up-and-coming promoter. So that guy's business is booming. <laughs> his business is booming because he's not. there's no spendaging for him. He's yeah. not running any shows. He's doing his own thing with the ring and blah, blah, blah. So every Tom, Dick, and Harry who gets a wild hair up his ass and goes, well, I want to be a promoter now. They go to the guy, they put a bunch of money down, they run a show down there, and no one fucking goes to it because no one knows who you are. You haven't built anything up in anybody's eyes at all whatsoever. And you can't sell your product because no one's going to fucking buy it. They don't know who you are. And if you put it on YouTube, at best, you maybe can monetize it if you eliminate the, uh, the entrance music. But you're not going to make any money off that. You have to build an audience. And in order to do that, you got to burn through a year. If you can't get it done in a year, it's not going to work. Beyond wrestling up in Massachusetts, they ate a year and it worked. GCW ate a few years and it worked. G J JCW, which is how it started, which is the company I worked with, had a nice little fan base, but it didn't branch out hugely until GCW because they figured out the niche. They started doing the deathmatch bullshit. They had a hardcore audience as it was. Then they started stealing some of the CZW fan base with their deathmatch style and this, that, and forth. So they figured out how to increase their fan base in that way. Once you get fans that like you, you're set. Don't try, you don't tell me that wrestling fans will come to support wrestling. No, they won't. They support what they like. We don't have wrestling fans anymore. We have niche wrestling fans now. We have fans that like the deathmatch stuff. We have fans that like old school wrestling. We have fans that like the flippy shit. It's all, it's all been cut up into pieces now. It's not one solid, I love wrestling, I'm going to go watch wrestling. It's what's on the... There are people who will tell you, I will never spend a dime to go see WWE. I'm AEW for life. And then they'll say, no, AEW is cartoon garbage. I'm going to WWE. And then some people say, I don't like any of those fucks. I'm going to Ring of Honor. They're mm -hmm. choosing sides. They're choosing teams. So the best that you can do is stop worrying about the business because the business is already dead. Just worry about your business. And your business lasts longer when you have characters that people invest in. So if you can't yeah. get it done in a year, life, man. then you can't be a fucking promoter in this industry and you're wasting your time. And everything. Like, I, I want to detach wrestling from what you're saying because what you're saying is literally something I've been learning in the last few days. It literally does not fucking matter what you want to do. That That is no longer a thing. I think we've grown as a society to the point where I, I think I've said this before, if I want to make money collecting bottle caps, there is a will and there is a way to be a collector of bottle caps and monetize it. Mm -hmm. There's just a way, but guess what? As may, as much as you may not think it's the truth, there are thousands of other motherfuckers trying to do the same exact thing. Yep. So nowadays when I hear people say things that are saturated, I go, all right, you're just making excuses. Because everything in the anything is saturated. There's just too many people trying to do shit. It's always been that way, but it's it's by a thousand now yeah. because of the things that people just have access to. COVID being a big part of people having no choice but to learn how to hustle. So you have people out there who would not have normally been doing what you wanted to do, doing it now because they had no fucking choice. It was that or die. So it's not a matter of, and it pertains to wrestling and you as the individual wrestler. It's not about the action of what you're doing because 
they're like you told your son, there's always going to be someone you're going to meet that's better at doing what you're doing, the act of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. There's going to be someone who is better. So what do you do? What do you do? You have to find out a way to master your art and 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 become somehow, some way. And it's the hardest fucking thing to do. Not be different, but differentiate yourself from other people. If that makes sense. Yeah. You just you makes have sense. It's just hard to, find to do for people. Niche. You have to find out how to deliver yourself. What do you do that's different in the thing that millions of people are trying to do at the same time? Then comes the hard part. Because if the answer to that question is nothing, then you're fucked. Then you're done. You're done. That's when you know you're done. If I know. you can't. And force yourself to figure something in. out, you're done. That's where the crying comes in. Well, I've always loved doing this. Uh, I've always wanted to do this. I've cool, it's your hobby now. Kid. Yeah, cool, exactly. It's, you're not good at it, though. It, it doesn't even be- have to be about good. See, that's the thing. Like when you and, and here's the thing. I understand what you mean by good. But when you say someone being good at something, that means they're not good at wrestling. If we're talking about wrestling specifically. Or mm-hmm. you're not good at... Whatever the fuck it is you're interested in. No, maybe you're relatively decent. Let's say you're about mid-grade or maybe a little bit over mid, right? At whatever it is that you're fucking doing. Mm-hmm. But there are people who you might even see in your eyes that are worse than you that are out here in the limelight doing it fucking big. Mm-hmm. And that's because somehow, some fucking way, they found a way to grab the eyes of the right people and now they're going. Mm-hmm. So... Trust me, there's a lot of people in WWE right now who, in comparison to some indie people, I'm sure you could be like, dude, pound for pound, this indie guy is kind of better. Yeah, no. In every fed, AEW has that. Ring of Honor has that. But why are they in the WWE? What did they do different if in the art you could arguably say that you're actually better than that person in the art? Well, I think, like, if we're talking, like, let's give WWE as an example here. A lot of the reasons a lot of those guys are on TV, the reason why you have so many people, like you said, as, let's say, indie guys that are better than some of the guys that are on WWE television is because a lot of the guys on WWE television now, nowadays, if you look at NXT, it's people who got there based on a look. They haven't done anything yet. So you That's look it. at a Nikita Lions and you go, wow, what a thick look. That is a beautiful fucking woman. Can't wrestle her way out of a sweater. I've seen indie women wake up from a nap and do 50% more of the shit she can do. She'll get there over time, but she's just shits right now. She's just a look. That's it. There are people in every company better than her. But it, oh. it is what it is. But you can't train. A but woman. you can argue that vice versa, too, because there are, are people uh, who are great wrestlers who make it there as well, yeah. but don't have the look that she has. Yep, exactly. So literally, it's just a matter of getting into it, hustling, grinding, sacrificing, having an idea. Yeah. And do not allow everyone else around you. And they fucking will. Make you feel like shit for the idea that you have. So that way, when you fail, it was your idea that failed and you can figure out why. But if you're successful, you stood true to what you wanted to do and you didn't just bend or break to what 
all the other promoters, for instance, are doing because it's working for them. It may take you a little while, but you can find success in whatever your brain thinks. It's when you start going into wherever everybody else is doing that's starting to show some success that you start to lose your way and you fade right into the crowd. So I agree with you right with place. the whole thing. It's right I place, agree with- right time, right people. Right. I agree with you at the at the point where it's like, yeah, enhancement talent with the, um, you know, with, with the pushable talent. But putting putting the label, I think that's going to happen naturally. I mean, look at the WWE in, in reference or any wrestling company in reference. There's a reason why you don't have 30 belts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this it just is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, if right? Everybody like, is special. Nobody is special. Exactly. And you have to have your four fronts, but there we've seen. And I think this is why people love the attitude era so much is that even your top dogs were enhancement talent. Yeah. But they just knew how to do it Yeah, to a level. They knew when it was their turn to enhance and they knew when it was their turn to be pushed. And mm-hmm. just because you're enhancement talent doesn't mean you can't work on the ability to become pushable. If anything, the best thing that you could ever have in any any real situation is being exposed to being in a high-level situation because that's where you're going to learn the most. Those guys got there for a reason. So they obviously do things or know things that the people at a lower level may or may not know. So even if you uh, enhance your way to a position where now you're rubbing elbows with people who are teaching you shit that you otherwise would have never known, you know what I mean? That puts you in a whole nother scenario within itself. So people shouldn't get so tied up in, in titles and, and get discouraged because someone goes, hey, man, you're great enhancement talent. Fuck yeah, tell your friends. I'll get my ass beat with the best of them. <laughs> Fuck it. You know that guy holding the belt? I would get my ass whooped so good for him. Don't come here and shake my... No, don't come here and punch me in the face. I'll show him how good I am at taking punches to the face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the level you got to no be on. No one gets socked in the mouth like I do. <laughs> got to do whatever it takes to get into that position to learn and be exposed. And at the end of the day, if someone at a high level just plain and simple likes you, <laughs> like the Mick Foley example, yeah. if you just like, I like that guy. Do something with me. Okay. Sure, fuck it. Like you're a good dude. Let's do it. And now look at him. Now look at him. A legend. <laughs> Fucking legend. Oh God. That um, was a good example. So yeah. So uh we're gonna wrap up here just really quickly. Uh I got a message and I wanted to share it with you before we go off the air here. Our our good buddy Xander Litt, uh the AEW round table veteran, messaged me the other day. I don't know if you heard about this, but he goes, he hit me up and he goes, you got to do a round table for Forbidden Door. And I was like, oh, God. I saw some, I have to yeah. update myself on what's going on there. Yeah. I saw something happen. So so the president of New Japan Pro Japan. Wrestling yeah. showed up on Dynamite and him and Tony Khan made an announcement through Adam Cole and Jay White. That New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW will be putting together a joint card, a super card, at the United Center, June 26th in Chicago, 6 p.m. showtime. On a they should have did it. I, I'm not, I know I'm joking here. They should have did it in Saudi Arabia. 
I'm not even doing that place. You want to sell an event? I'm telling you, man, if you just want to sell an event, I, I know people hate that shit. I don't think Japan would allow them to go to fucking I'm side. just saying. <laughs> that place would blow the roof off that fucking event. He means that figuratively. They would not. Hold on. Time out. We can't advocate. We don't know what their intentions would be, but I don't think they would purposely blow it up. There no, that's, <laughs> that's not to, that to. was not what I meant specifically. But I said you I meant said you energy. Meant I meant energy. Figuratively, energy. they'll blow. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, Metaphorically, we don't know what their sure. intentions are. No, 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 they wouldn't. Okay. No, 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 no. All right. So far, they've been good with WWE. I don't know if they would blow anything up on the other end. We'll <laughs> but yes, they need to, but seriously though, they do need to go to a place that has high energy. But you said yeah. they already chose Chicago. Yeah, they're in Chicago United Center. Uh, da, 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 da. yeah, June twenty sixth is this show. So Daniel was like, "Are you by any chance doing a live roundtable for that?" I hadn't thought about it. But There's got to be a... enough content worth talking about. There be will be. There will be. I think that's why he wants to. Because New Japan doing this with AEW, I know we made the joke before. I about, don't think it's a big deal. I don't this think is so why either, I hesitate. But, I don't think this is a big deal. Yeah, I and really I don't, don't. I especially don't like the idea of this thing being called Forbidden Door. It's not. The Forbidden Door is with WWE, me personally, yes. in my brain. Thank you. WWE has a Forbidden Door. AEW not has AEW. never had a Forbidden Door. They've had their door open the entire fucking time. So it's not a forbidden door. I, I don't like that name for the show, but it is what it is. They, they've got if, a thing listen, going. Whatever. If there's enough to actually have a logical discussion about this, I wouldn't mind. But I just, I it, it kind of needs to be sold to me because I really don't feel like this is news at all. Well, I mean, who better than I mean, Xander to come on <laughs> <laughs> to have Xander come out here and make it happen, Cap. But uh, yeah. I'm open for it. When, when um, is that? June 26th. It's in two months. Okay. There'll be plenty of time to let these stories develop and see what happens. There's a lot of people making their expectations as to who could be on this card, it, it, what kind of matchups we're talking about. In my eyes, there's absolutely one match that absolutely needs to happen. We're not going to go too deep into it now, but since we are mentioning it now, I can only assume that the reason this whole thing was even put together was for one match. You can get a bunch of matches out of this, but the matchup that I'm looking for has to happen. I don't think, I'm not entirely sure that it will, but it has to happen. I've got to get Okada versus the American Dragon. Brian Danielson versus Okada, to me, is a matchup that's on here. And that's the beautiful part about this specific card. Because when people say AEW versus New Japan, I think people are losing sight of what we're actually talking about. People, you think of AEW, you start thinking, of, oh, we've already seen the Young Bucks in New Japan. We've already seen Kenny in New Japan. We've already seen, we've seen this, we've seen that, right? But you've got Punk. And you've got Danielson. And you've got Joe. And you've got a lot of players now that these matchups against New Japan, these would be dream matches because we've never seen them. Moxley's been dying to get his hands on Tanahashi for fucking years. Here's an opportunity. We just got Adam Cole versus Ishii on fucking, uh, was it Dynamite or Rampage the other fucking day? There's some possibilities on the table here for some really cool matchups. Red Dragon, who's experienced with a lot of teams from New Japan. You could do a Gods of Destruction thing versus Red Dragon. There's a lot of opportunity here. Way better than what they, 
what the possibilities were for Ring of Honor versus New Japan. There's some real matchups here that I think we should dive into. But I don't want to dive into them because I don't want to talk about dream scenarios and then watch them fucking die in front of me. I'd like the storylines to actually unfold. So as we get closer, we'll we'll start to make the decision whether or not we're going to do a table for this. Um, I'm into it. We'll see. Again, I just want to know how this works. Uh, I especially we'll see the love card the and go from Chicago. there. Yeah, I especially love the fact that they're in Chicago. Because Chicago actually likes to make a little noise for their wrestling shows. New York is dead. Don't come back to New York. Uh, until New Yorkers can get their shit together, don't bless us with another opportunity like this. Stop stop waving the whole, uh, we want to sell out the garden, but the garden doesn't mean anything anymore to us. The garden died years ago. No one in this fucking city below the age of 35 gives a fuck about fucking Madison Square Garden. All the old heads do, because that's what they remember, the garden being great. The garden hasn't been great in fucking... I was in the garden yesterday. It... It's not, it's not the place it used to be, folks. Don't worry about it. It's fine. The, the, Fair the, enough. Yeah, the garden used to be the Mecca. Remember the Mecca? It, no. It's it's just another fucking building. It's, there's nothing special about that place anymore. And this is coming from someone who's enjoyed a lot of wrestling shows in that building. It means nothing. Even WWE stopped going there. They don't go there anymore. They go to Barclay. Everyone goes to Barclay now, which is dope because I'm in Brooklyn, so it helps. But it's... No one goes to the Garden anymore, so don't worry about it. United Center, Chicago, that means something to me still to this day. I'm not even from Chicago. And every time they go there, Punk's debut was in that building. Remember how loud they were? Yeah, exactly. So it should be dope. So let's go ahead and get out of here. I'm going to go ahead and try to enjoy the remaining few hours of my vacation before I have to go back to the depths of what I refer to as specific hell. Nice. This is specific to me. It's tailored straight to me. Nice. Customization so, is important. Yeah. Especially when it comes to shit that makes you miserable. Mm-hmm. So we'll go ahead and get out of here. You've got some stuff you got to do. So uh, this week, I'm going to get it right. As a matter of fact, I'm going to look it up so that I get it right. 229. Here we go. Episode 229 in the books. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for downloading. Thank you guys for sharing. And of course... Thank you guys for enjoying episode 229. See, I got it right this week. This is my daddy's 200th episode. If you'd like to sew, buy some mugs, t-shirts, mugs, tank tops, beats to house, phone cases, go to H-A-O-U-N.com. This is my daddy's 200th episode. So keeps him busy, and he's not playing with me. So stop listening. But but he's actually playing with me, so I won't play.